We've been talking about being a disciple. And this series, this time together has been so wonderful. Learning how to be a disciple, learning how to follow Jesus, learning what it took for him to disciple his disciples, to train them, to prepare them, to equip them, to correct them, to, to get them ready for the next phase, which was the beginning of the church as these 12 with the exception of Judas, and Judas was later replaced by another, but those, those original uh, disciples were the leaders of the church, and the church just exploded. It exploded beyond what they ever could have been prepared for naturally, but Jesus had prepared them. And so we want to talk about uh, us being disciples. You, you know that we're not the original 12. We're not the original 12 apostles. Many, many of us hearing this go, I'm not an apostle at all, but I am a disciple. And that's the question. Is every believer a disciple? Well, when you get born again, you are called to be a disciple. But discipleship is a choice you have to make. It's, it's choosing not just to be saved by Jesus, but to fully follow him, to learn from him, to continue that process of learning and, and walking with him. And not everybody, true, uh, you know, to be fair, not everybody follows that path. We should. We're all called to it. We're all equipped for it. Not one person is rejected by God when he calls you into his family and he calls you his child. He has anointed you. He has equipped you. He's prepared you to be a disciple. But you've got to make that choice that I want to go further with Jesus. And when you make that choice, he's going to empower you to do it. As we saw the original disciples go through their journey with Jesus, they weren't just students. They were also doers. They also had to learn how to do. And you know, maybe that's the question some of us have asked. So when we talk about being a disciple, when do we go from learning to doing? And my answer may not be what you expect, because the truth is you never really graduate from learning to doing. You just add the doing to the learning. I don't believe the disciples ever stopped learning. I don't believe they ever stopped being led by Jesus, being led by the Spirit, being led by God. They never stopped being a disciple, but they didn't stay in the classroom. And that's what you need to hear today, is that you will never graduate from learning to doing, but you need to graduate to learning and doing. This is a part where James talks about in the Bible of saying that we can't just be hearers only. We have to be doers of the word. That's where the power is, is in the hearing and the doing. See, without the hearing, there is no faith. There is no power behind the action. You know, the Bible tells us that, that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. You don't have faith that moves mountains or faith that sees miracles or faith that gives boldness. There is no faith without the word of God. There's no direction without the word of God. But James also says faith without works is dead. It's not really faith. If it doesn't have corresponding action, it dies. And so just learning, just being a student, that's, that's by itself is dead. But you need to go from learning to combining your learning with your action. When those two, two go together, you're going to see the power of God in your life. I want to read you something that was a, just a really tough moment for the disciples. When Jesus is on his last evening with them, preparing them, teaching them important things that they need to know. He says this in John chapter 14. He begins to talk to them about the fact that he's going away. He hasn't been shy about telling them he's going to die. He hasn't been shy about telling them how it's going to happen. But it's been really tough for them to really hear it and receive it. And now he's saying, I'm going away. And you can just see their hearts drop, their faces drop. You know that, that feeling of like, we don't know how to do this without you. 
We don't know how to do this if you're not here. We don't want to do this if you're not here. In John 14, Jesus tells them, I'm, don't let your heart be troubled. I'm, I'm going. I'm going to prepare a place for you. But then he says this, I will ask the Father. This is John 14, 16. I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper. That word another is important. When you understand it as it's translated, another doesn't just mean a, a, an additional helper. It, it really should be translated another like me. It's just like me. This helper is another one of me. It, it's like following me. You're, you're not getting a new, um, uh, you're not going to have to learn how to be discipled in a different way. You're not going to uh, learn how to follow a totally different person. It's, it's another helper. It's like I've been to you. This is what the Holy Spirit will be to you. He says, another helper that he may be with you forever. That is the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it does not see him or know him, but you will know him because he abides with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. After a little while, the world will no longer see me, but you will see me. And because I live, you will live also. In that day, you'll know that I'm in the Father, and you in me, and I in you. He who has my commandments and keeps them is the one who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father. And I will love him, and I will disclose myself to him. Judas, not Iscariot, different Judas, said to him, Lord, what then has happened that you're going to disclose yourself to us and not to the world? And Jesus answered and said to him, anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my father will love him and we will come to him and make our abode with him. We will live with him. We'll, we'll spend life with him. He who does not love me does not keep my words and the word which you hear is not mine, but the father's who sent me. These things I've spoken to you while abiding with you, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I said to you. Stop for a moment. And, and first of all, just, just think about how um, dramatic it is that Jesus says, you know, um, uh, first of all, I'm going to be gone. And he actually says to them, we didn't read it there, but he says, it's to your advantage if I go away because I'll send a helper. It's to your advantage that I go away. I mean, none of us, even now, 2,000 years after the fact, we've read the Bible. We believe the Bible. We know how this ends. Even knowing all that, that, that sentence, it's better for you if I go away, still is hard to believe. We know it's true, but can you imagine if you had the chance, if, you, if Jesus said the exact same thing to you, if you had the chance to have Jesus physically on earth, I mean, physically with you on earth, and he said, it's going to be to your advantage if I don't stay with you physically, if I go away. Even if you knew that was true, that would be so hard to believe. It would be so hard to receive. How could it be better if you're not here? Jesus says, it's because I'm going to send you the Spirit of God. And while I am just one man walking with you 12, ministering to the multitudes, but really one man being led by the Spirit, full of the Spirit, teaching, guiding you, uh, 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 anointing you, equipping you. At the same time, I'm just one guy. And what's going to need to happen, what's going to need to take place for the church to really take off as it's meant to, 
I'm going to have to die. I'm going to have to go. I'm going to have to, uh, that kernel of wheat is going to have to fall to the ground so it can bear much fruit. I'm going to have to send you the spirit because he says this, he'll be with you and he'll dwell in you. See, Jesus with them physically, it's, it's attractive to us because we like what we can see. We like what we can touch. It's, it's, it doesn't take faith uh, to follow somebody that you can see. I mean, there certainly did, was faith involved when they followed Jesus into crazy things and crazy places. But it takes less faith, you know, because the Bible says we walk by faith and not by sight. You know, if we can see it, it's not really having to walk by faith. And so if Jesus is saying, come with me, it's very clear where he's going. We can see him. If he says, this is what I'm saying or this is what I'm doing, it's easy to believe he's right there. But when he says, I'm going to go away, you're not going to see me anymore, but you will know me. You won't see me. The world won't see me, but you'll see me. He begins to describe this life that they're about to step into, which means I, you won't see me physically. You won't be able to touch me. You won't be able to ask me the questions the way you normally do, but you'll have the Holy Spirit and it will be better. The reason a lot of Christians today struggle with that reality, why would it be better to have the Holy Spirit than Jesus himself physically with us? Why would it be better? The reason we struggle with that is because we really don't understand how great that promise is. We don't understand all that's given to us through the Spirit of God. A lot of us, you know, struggle to have that relationship with the Holy Spirit that we think we would have had with Jesus. And the reason is, is because you can't see the Holy Spirit. And most of the time, you can't audibly hear the Holy Spirit. That, that be following the Holy Spirit takes us choosing to be spiritual and, 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 to, and to follow what we can't see and to obey what we can't hear with our ears and begin to step into faith. Jesus says, everything I've been to you, Think about what Jesus did for the disciples. He taught them, right? He taught them line by line. He taught them what they needed to know. He says in the same way, the Holy Spirit will teach you all things. He led them. He says the Holy Spirit will lead you and guide you into all truth. He, the, the scripture later says that those that are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. These are the children of God. You, you understand that everything Jesus did for the disciples, the Holy Spirit is doing for you. The question is, are you aware of it? Are you going to let that be part of your discipleship is to say, I'm going to walk into the unknown, but it's not really unknown because God knows it, but it's unknown to me, so it's scary. I'm going to walk into that place following the Spirit of God. I'm going to be taught by the Spirit. I'm going to be led by the Spirit. And when we say that, we step into what it really means to be a disciple. Because what we said earlier, when do you graduate from learning to doing? You don't. The disciples never stopped learning. They never stopped being led. The only difference was they were no longer learning from somebody they could see. They were no longer being led by someone they could follow physically. They were being taught by the Spirit of God. They were being led by the Spirit of God. Even when you have teachers in the church, like the Bible tells us about in the New Testament, people that will teach you and, and help you and, and guide you and counsel you, even that, even those teachers are doing it by the Spirit of God. And it's ultimately the Holy Spirit that's teaching you, not a person, but the Spirit of God. And we're going to talk about that today. We've already began, but we're going to keep talking about how to be a disciple in the what's next. How to be a disciple when we step out of the classroom and into the field. You know, they got a crash course in that, uh, just a, a dry run 
before actually having to do it once Jesus ascended to the Father. There's a couple of times in the Gospels where Jesus sent them out, more than a couple actually, but where Jesus sent them out and said, you guys have the training, you have the tools, now do it. Now, the good thing was he was still around. I'll give you an example. Uh, when Jesus is on the Mount of Transfiguration and, and, and he's brought three of his disciples with him and they see him glow and they see him glorified and, and then they see Moses and Elijah, they get this amazing show. But when they come down from the mountain, there's a man that's really ticked off and he's, he's upset and frustrated because his son has an evil spirit that's been torturing him and Jesus' disciples have not been able to cast it out. Jesus has trained them and empowered them to cast out demons. The reason that this man had any expectation of the disciples is because they've already been casting out demons. But for some reason, they couldn't get this one out. And so Jesus comes down the mountain and he says, you know, this man says, your disciples couldn't help me. And Jesus heals the boy. He drives that evil spirit out. And then he explains to them that This kind of spirit only comes out through prayer and fasting. He tells them that their faith is a little too small, that that there was something that needed to happen that wasn't there. And so they had this safety net, you know. When it didn't work, we we still had Jesus coming down the mountain doing it for us. But that wasn't going to be the permanent reality. The permanent reality was that they were going to be equipped, full of the spirit, and able to do the works that Jesus did and greater works. Because that's what Jesus promised. Let me read you one of these dry runs. In in the book of Matthew, chapter 10, Jesus sends out the 12 disciples. He says, these 12, uh, sorry, Matthew 10, 5, these 12 Jesus sent out after instructing them, don't go in the way of the Gentiles, don't enter any city of the Samaritans, but rather go to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And as you go, preach, saying, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Now, how do they know how to preach that? I mean, that's just one sentence. I don't think he means that's the only sentence you're going to say. You obviously need to say it, but you probably need more than that to preach, right? You need more than that for a message. How do they know how to preach the kingdom? They know because they've been walking with Jesus. They've heard him preach it hundreds of times. Everywhere he went, the Bible says he went preaching the kingdom. And wherever he went preaching the kingdom, signs and wonders followed the preaching of the word. There were miracles. There were healings. There were deliverance. So he's already showed them the pattern. He says, preach the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Then he says, heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons. Freely you've received, now freely give. I love that sentence. I love that commandment. Freely you've received, now freely give. That's the great thing about being a disciple is you are never the end point, the terminus of God's blessing. It never stops with you. It never stops. You're, you're never the end point of what God is doing. You are a channel of what God's doing. So what you receive, you're meant to give away. That's why we can't stay in the classroom because the classroom is all about receiving, but the field is about doing. And so the classroom and the field got to come together. There's got to be a point where you realize that what you've received is meant to be given. We are not just meant to take in, we're meant to give out. That is the heart of God. So freely you've received, now freely give it away. He says, don't acquire gold or silver or copper for your money belts or a bag for your journey or even two coats or sandals or a staff. 
for the worker is worthy of his support. What he's preparing them for is he's saying, don't go into this thinking I'm going to support myself. He says, trust me in the journey. Trust that I will provide for you. And in fact, I'll use these people you're ministering to, to meet those needs. And so he's preparing them to walk by faith. It takes faith to believe that I'm going to set out without any extra cash or without any extra coats or, or a, a, any, any safety net, and I'm just going to trust God. But he was preparing them. See, a big part of discipleship is letting God take you step by step out of just learning into the learning and the doing. And in fact, isn't that one of the best ways we learn? By doing? Isn't that one of the ways that we, I mean, yeah, you needed classroom training. You needed to, to learn for, for whatever job you have. At some point you needed to read something or hear something. But if you just read or heard, you'd never really be prepared to do. You had to, at some point, have someone say, now it's time to try it. And I want to just encourage you today, church. I want to encourage you believers. It's time for you to step out and try it. It's time for you to step out and obey the Lord. It's time for you to step out and say, I have enough in me to give something away. I can't just be a receiver. I've got to be a giver. That's what it means to be a disciple. A disciple doesn't just learn from Jesus. A disciple replicates what Jesus was doing. They carry Jesus's ministry. That's why the book of Luke ends with Jesus's time on earth. But the book of Acts, which is volume two of that set, both written by Luke. Luke is volume one. Acts is volume two. Luke says, in my first account, I told you all of all that Jesus began to do and to teach in his ministry. In other words, Luke is saying that, that the, the story that ended with the death, resurrection, and ascension of Jesus was only the beginning of Jesus' ministry. Now, if it was only the beginning of his ministry, and the next book is the book of Acts, the story of the church, then what Luke is saying is that Jesus' ministry continues through the church. That's one of the things we believe at this church. We believe, and, and you got to know this, this is a core value, that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That's what it says in the book of Hebrews. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So if he did it then, he's still doing it today. And he still wants to heal people. He still wants to deliver people. He still is saving people. And if he's going to do it, he's going to do it through his people, through his church. So we graduate from just hearing, and we say we're going to hear and we do. But now the question is, is if we're hearing and doing, do we ever get to the point where we don't need to learn anything else? And I'm going to tell you, no, you don't. Watch the disciples. They never stopped being disciples. Disciples are sent out. Disciples, Jesus said, as you've sent me, I've sent them. As you gave me your word, I've given them that word. As you love me, I've loved them. Like everything Jesus had from the Father, he gave to his disciples to, to send them out. But it never stopped there. It didn't stop with the equipping. It didn't stop with the, uh, with the learning. It, it, it carried on through the sending. And, and they never stopped learning. They never stopped being led. Now the difference is we're going to learn by the Spirit of God. We're going to be led by the Spirit of God. Jesus goes on to say in that conversation in John, he says, the Spirit of God will lead you and guide you into all truth. And I just want to talk to you real quickly about three phases of being led by the Spirit of God. How disciples are led by the Spirit of God. Because we use that phrase a lot at this church. Be led by the Spirit. Be led of the Spirit. And the truth is, sometimes you hear that and you go, okay, 
I, I know that that's supposed to happen, but I don't know how to connect A to B. I, I don't know how to get from here to there. How do I go from, from just, you know, hearing the phrase, be led of the Spirit? How do I live that out? What does it look like? I want to talk to you about three phases to being led by the Spirit. Phase number one, and this might be something that you don't think of when you think of being led by the Spirit, but it's the most important. It's huge. It's the foundation. Being led by the Spirit, the first phase of being led by the Spirit is being led by the Word of God. The Word of God is the voice of God. It is, the, it is God speaking. The Bible says it's alive and it's active. It's the Spirit of God. And, and in fact, the Holy Spirit teaches you as you read this Word. As you get into the Word of God, the Spirit of God is teaching you. And so the first way to be led is to be taught. Do you know why? Jesus told his disciples, remember, here's how the Spirit will lead you. The first things he said the Spirit will do is teach you. He will teach you. He will lead you into all truth. Do you hear that? He's leading them by teaching them. He's leading them by showing them truth. Jesus said this in John chapter 10, that I'm the good shepherd and here's how I lead my sheep. I call them by name. They hear my voice and I lead them in and out. I lead them into pasture. He says the way I lead my sheep is by my voice. And in fact, that's how, uh, the, this is the picture of shepherding, is not a shepherd that's behind his sheep, but a shepherd that walks in front of them, leading them with his voice. A shepherd that's saying, follow me, not just by looking at me, but follow me by hearing. So the first step of being led by the Spirit is getting to know his word and letting the word get to know you. Letting the word get in you. You know, a lot of us, we question, is this God or is this just me? I know every believer who's ever sought to hear from God has had that question. Is it me or is it God? I can't tell if this is just my thought or if it's God's thought. And there's a great verse in Hebrews that, that, that explains that for us. It says, the word of God is living and active. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. It's able to join, uh, cut between bone and marrow, between soul and spirit. And it judges the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. He says, the word of God will separate what's coming from your soul. That's your mind, your will, your emotions. And it will separate from that It'll separate that from what's coming from the Spirit. It's the Word of God that'll help you discern. It'll help you know. It'll build a foundation so that you know the voice of the shepherd. There's going to be lying voices out there. There's going to be other voices that attempt to lead you astray. How do you know the voice of the shepherd? Get to know it in His Word. Step one is learning to know His voice through His Word. Letting Him lead you and guide you into all truth. That's phase one. And I know that we've got two types of people. We always have two types of people. You've got the people who, who love the routine. They are very comfortable studying and getting deep into the word and have that routine where they go, all right, everything God wants to say to me, he's going to say like this. And that routine is great. It's a godly thing. They're getting into it. And then you have another group of people that say, I only feel alive when the Spirit of God is speaking in the moment. They really love those stories where somebody heard of the voice, turn around, and they turned around and, and there was the one thing they were supposed to see. And sometimes those two types of people are pitted against each other. A Christian that says, uh, I, we put our foundation in the Word, everything we need to hear is in the Word. And a Christian who says, I want to hear God's voice in the moment. But I got to tell you, those don't have to be two different types of people. Those are meant to go together. They're just different stages of hearing from God. 
And the first stage, if you want to hear from God in an accurate way, if you want to know how to discern between what's your emotion and what's God, what's your thought, what's your mindset, what's your reasoning, and what's God, you need to let the Word of God be a big part of your life. That's something that needs to happen daily. You know, we we talk about these daily habits. Daily habits are the life of a disciple. In fact, let's use a better word than habit, a discipline. Do you notice the root word of discipline is disciple? You've got to have these daily disciplines. Jesus had them. The disciples had them. These routines in your life where you say every day, I'm going to get into the word. Every day, I'm going to spend time with the Lord in prayer. That's preparing you for everything you're going to need in life. The fact the Bible says it will prepare you. It will train you in righteousness. It will correct you. It's what's going to turn you into the kind of person you need to be to carry out the ministry of Jesus. You know, the truth is a lot of times now we spend more time listening to other voices than the voice of God. And so when it comes time to hear his voice in the moment, we don't know what's fully his voice. We're confused. Why? Because we've been reading more articles than reading the Word. We've been watching more news and more TV than we have hearing the Word of God. We've been having all these other voices be louder than the voice of God. And so when it comes time to hear Him in the moment, it's so clouded with other things. Those other things may be fine, but they should never outweigh your time with God through His Word, through prayer. Let that be a daily discipline. That's part of being a disciple. Phase two is those times where you're, you're, you're uh, praying, uh, you know, you've got your time in the words, you've got your time in prayer. This is the Holy Spirit leading you through his word. That's phase one. He's leading you through his word. You may not feel like he's leading me in the moment because this was written so long ago and other people have taught it and prayed it and, 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 and lived it. You know, you may think that this is not God leading me, but this is God leading you. But the second phase is often uh, is overlooked and it's those times where in your prayer time and in, in your pre- preparation, God begins to put a picture or speak a word to you that's about something that's going to happen or, or about where you need to go in the future. And you may not have the meaning for it, but you begin to walk in that direction. You know, we see that phase one in, 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 in Paul's life. You see that uh, in, in the apostles on, on the day of Pentecost. Remember, the way they knew what to do on the day of Pentecost was from the scripture. All of a sudden, the scripture came alive to them. They, they looked to the scripture and found the answer to how to replace the 12th member of the original disciples. They looked to the scripture and, and Peter preached it on the day of Pentecost. This is what David said. This is what the prophet said. This is what Jesus said. The word of God spoke to them in the moment. But they also had those times, you know, like Paul, who, who uh, heard from the Lord. The Lord said, I want, you and, and, and I want you and Barnabas to go out on a missionary journey. Well, they didn't know everything that was going to happen on that journey, but that was a word from the Lord setting them up for their next season of life. Now, the word of God and the, the things God had spoken before through his word, through Paul's experience with Jesus, when Jesus said, you're going to preach my gospel everywhere. You're going to preach to the Jews and the Gentiles. You're going to preach to kings and rulers. That was a foundation for him. But then on top of that foundation was a prophetic word. You're going to go out on a missionary journey. So he obeyed that. But even then on that missionary journey, he needed to hear in the moment. He needed to hear right then what he was meant to do. There was that moment in Philippi when a a girl was talking what seemed to be good things, but it was of the wrong spirit. And Paul, troubled in his spirit, 
turned and, and, and commanded that evil spirit to go out of that girl. Or, or the time he's in Lystra and there's a man who has faith to be made well and Paul sees by faith, he sees by the spirit that this man is ready to be healed and he says, stand up and be healed. You need to hear God through his word. You need to hear God through those, those preparation things that God says to you that may, you may not know everything, but it's, it's setting you up for the next season. It's the, the month before, the year before, sometimes the night before. And then you need to hear God in the moment. These are all parts of being led by the Spirit. And many of us will really major in on one of them. Some people really major in on the, I want to hear God in the moment, but they haven't heard God through His Word. They haven't been taught, and so they don't know how to properly discern what God says in the moment. They don't know how to properly hear or decide whether it is God, or what to do when you do hear God. Jesus said, whatever I hear, I judge. Hearing and judging are two important parts of being led by God. You've got to hear from Him, but then you've got to know what to do with what you heard. And I'm going to tell you, the Word sets you up for that. Let me just read something to you in the book of Isaiah. We've read this before, but Isaiah chapter 50 Uh, This is a story of what it means to be a disciple. It's also a picture of what Jesus would go through and who he was. Jesus was, you may not think of it this way, but Jesus was the prototype of the disciple. I know that sounds weird because we always think that Jesus had disciples, but did you know that Jesus was a disciple? That he was discipled, he followed, he, he was led by the Spirit, he only did, he only said what the Father showed him and told him to do and say, And so Jesus actually gave us the prototype of what it meant to be a true disciple. Isaiah 50 says this, and we're going to start in verse 4. The Lord God has given me the tongue of disciples. He's given me the tongue of disciples. In other words, disciples speak a certain way. That I may know how to sustain the weary one with a word. Now I would say, This is the second phase that we've been talking about. The first phase means getting into the Word, getting into prayer, you know, building yourself up in the most holy faith, being taught by the Lord. The second phase is is this habits, is these daily disciplines where you are getting into His Word, you're getting into prayer, but you're letting God speak to you about that day. You're letting God speak to you about things that are ahead of you, about people in your life that you need to be a part of. He says this, he says, I, he has given me the tongue of disciples that I may know how to sustain the weary one with a word. This is so important. If you want the word, if you want to know what to say that's going to raise up somebody that's weary, and guys, we need it today. In 2020, there are so many people who are weary and beaten down and don't know how to keep going, and they need somebody who has a word from the Lord. But he says, that doesn't come from you talking. That comes from you listening first. He says, the tongue of the disciple, he says, he, uh, uh, that I may sustain the weary one with a word, that I may know how. He awakens me morning by morning. That's that daily routine, morning by morning. A lot of us want God to speak these dramatic, big, major words once or twice a year, these big things, and then we don't have to press in anymore. But God's saying here, morning by morning, I wake up and I listen. He awakens me morning by morning. He awakens my ear to listen as a disciple. Before you know what to say, you've got to know what to hear. The Lord God has opened my ear and I was not disobedient, nor did I turn back. And he begins to talk about some of the things that Jesus went through. Hundreds of years before Jesus walked the earth, God told us what Jesus would go through. 
But this isn't just for Jesus. This is for you. How do I have the tongue of a disciple? The tongue of a disciple is supposed to raise up the weary. It's supposed to heal. It's supposed to restore. How do I have the tongue of a disciple? I first got to have the ear of the disciple. The tongue of a disciple means I say what I'm told to say. God wants to tell you what to say. He wants to show you where to go. But it starts with that morning by morning, I wake up and I listen. Morning by morning, I get into his word. David wrote this, your word is a lamp to my feet and it's a light to my path. It is a, it's a lamp to where I am and it's a light to where I'm going. God will speak to you through his word. And then day by day, as you get into the word and get into prayer, he'll speak to you about some things that are ahead. And then the third phase of the spirit leading you is some, sometimes one of those phases that makes us nervous. It's speaking to us in the moment. What's God going to say right now? Do you guys remember when Jesus was preparing his disciples for what was going to happen? He prepared them uh, for, for, in many cases, the trouble they were going to go through for his sake. You know, the times that they'd be put in prison, the, the times that they'd be dragged before the courts, uh, the things that they'd have to go through that, that were, were quite frankly beyond their own expectations and beyond what they thought they were trained for. And Jesus speaks to them and he says, uh, they're going to put you before their courts. And the implication is that you may be on trial for your life. And he says, they're going to put you in front of their courts, but don't fear it. Don't be afraid. He says, and don't prepare. He says, make up your mind not to prepare a defense beforehand. Make up your mind not to prepare a defense beforehand. Imagine sitting the night before your court date and they may decide to kill you. You don't know. And before you get up and stand, God's saying to you, don't even think about what you're going to say yet. He said, for in that hour, I'll give you the words to say. There are some things that you can't prepare for. Now the word of God prepares your spirit. It prepares your heart, prepares your mind. Those morning by morning times where you are preparing for the day ahead, God will prepare you. God will build things in you. God will show you some things. But there are some things he'll say that you're only gonna hear right when you need them. And sometimes it's bringing, as he said, the Holy Spirit bringing to your remembrance what I've spoke to you. That's why it's important that you guys get to know the word. Because one of the major things the Holy Spirit is going to do is not tell you new things. He'll do that. But one of the major things he's going to do is bring to remembrance what you've already been told. That's why it's so important that you fill your heart with the word of God so that the spirit of God will bring those things to your remembrance. But he says in that hour, I'll give you the words to say. Wisdom that they cannot refute, and it will not be your words. It'll be the words of my Father. Jesus was preparing them. There's going to be some things. You're going to have to wait for the hour. You're going to wait for the moment, and I'm going to speak to you. I know this is a lot, but I really believe, church, that we are, we are in a season right now where we are going to need more than learners. We're going to need doers. But doers don't stop being learners. The disciples never stopped learning. They never stopped being led. And so don't think that there's a point where you graduate to that you no longer have to press into God's voice. You never have to get into his word because you actually need it more than you've ever needed it before. The more you grow, the more you need. It's like somebody who's working out and building muscle. The more muscle they build, the more they've got to feed themselves, the more protein they need, the more nutrients they need to, to support that. The more you grow in Christ, the more you need his voice, the more you need his word. And so I want to encourage you today, don't draw back, 
press in. God's called you to be a disciple. Read Mark chapter 16. Read the commissioning. Believe this. God called you to go. And, and as you freely receive, and freely received, you're meant to freely give. If God's healed you, God's given you that, that heart for those that need healing. Even if you've never experienced a major testimony or a major miracle, you've got the spirit of miracles within you. You've got the spirit of God within you. Even if you say, I'm not a preacher, you've been called to preach the gospel. You've been given the ministry of reconciliation. Guys, you've been called to go, not just to come to Jesus. That's step one. But after you come to Jesus, he also sends you. You've been called to come to him, but to go into the world. Come to Jesus, go into the world and preach the gospel to all creation. And even when the church was scattered, see the church in Jerusalem had the 12 apostles. They had it made. They still had leaders they could look to and ask questions of and say, we're with you. But when the church was scattered due to persecution, there's an important verse in the Bible. And it says, therefore, those that were scattered went about the empire preaching the word wherever they went because they'd been prepared for this. Disciples don't just learn, they do. And those disciples, they knew what to do. When they were scattered, this may have changed my reality. In this season, a lot of your reality has changed. But I wanna tell you, your mission has never changed. The reality changed, we're not in Jerusalem anymore, but their mission never changed. So even when they were scattered, they just kept on preaching the word. That's what God's called you to.